Cancer multiplied so many times over at the end of the food chain meant there was a serious health question involved here. And this is also a religious obligation in Judaism. You've got to look after your physical health as well. So it seemed to me by then that there were very compelling moral reasons of why I had to stop eating meat. And it was very difficult at the beginning. And I probably wouldn't have been able to have done it successfully if my wife and I hadn't done it together. Fortunately, she is a, a natural cordon bleu cook, and she was able to improvise very quickly, and we did it gradually. And I would say I did suffer withdrawal symptoms for the first three months. I would say it was really coming off a drug. It required quite a significant effort. I really could feel lust in my teeth uh, for what I had been used to. But other than that, it was no culinary sacrifice because um, Sharon's ability to be able to provide for our gastronomic indulgences just developed wonderfully and we had certainly support from other contacts we knew. There was also in Cape Town a very close friend who was Jew but was very much influenced by Hindu thought and Hindu influences and I would say that he came back to his Jewishness through me but I was very influenced also by his ideas that came very much from Hindu culture. Also, I had been already exposed in Johannesburg, where we initially came to before we came to Cape Town, through a Jewish vegetarian there who was a librarian in the Zionist Federation, considered by some an eccentric, a wonderful old man by the name of Joe Green. And he had actually gone to the trouble of a translating into English. I think he's some of the first translations into English of Rabbi Cook's works that related to vegetarianism. Not that I needed a translation in English at the time, but he had done so to make things more available. And uh, I became aware of these writings and started getting into them more and perceived through them what I think can only be claimed is an interpretation, but I think as valid an interpretation as any, that the ideal within Judaism is clearly vegetarianism. This is drawn, as Rabbi Cook points out, first of all from the fact that the Garden of Eden is a vegetari- originally vegetarian society. And if you take literally the vision of Isaiah, Isaiah of the lamb and the wolf and the lion and the kid, etc., all living in harmony in a messianic age, therefore the ideal is also a vegetarian society that the language used for meat-eating in the Bible is a concessionary language. If your heart's lust to eat meat, then this is the way to do it, etc. And many other sources that suggest, and indeed we may well naturally surmise, that it was very difficult to get all your nutrients in uh, many ages and times and places past, especially in Eastern Europe during the diaspora. That if one could have a healthy, balanced diet without needing to kill, this was obviously the ideal. And that Kashrut is essentially seeking to wean society away from barbaric practices and to move us towards a particular direction. So it seemed to me that there were compelling halachic reasons as well as what you might call meta-halachic reasons, in other words teleological uh, goals ideals that meant that vegetarianism was not only an ideal but nevertheless a a value system that I should practice and that I should embody especially if I had assumed some kind of role model responsibilities within the community and all those things together led us to become vegetarians after three months or so uh, we had I think quite fully conditioned ourselves out of meat and then subsequently out of fish I mean today if I thought even if I thought I had eaten it's exactly like pork uh, from a kashrut point of view it's I'm so conditioned that I would throw up if I thought I had consumed anything of an animal origin animal flesh and I certainly think veganism is an ideal I don't wear any leather goods I don't wear any leather products
Um, I do personally perceive also coming out of much of these traditions and also in, influenced by other philosophies, a continuum within the cosmos as a whole, that we are all part of one entity. And therefore, I understand also the ideas between Jainism and looking at also vegetative life with a degree of reverence mm-hmm. as well. But I think that we have, first of all, definitely an obligation as Judaism teaches to our self-preservation. That is the only basis upon which animal killing can be justified. And when you can live self-preservation and provide for your needs without killing, I believe you're obliged to do so. And I don't think we can provide for a healthy, balanced diet without eating well from the vegetative world. And I think that's my understanding of what the Almighty has put it here in order for us to do in as constructive and as ecologically responsible a way as possible. I think that religious Jewish vegetarianism is really a pioneering role in terms of the messianic vision that Judaism has for humankind. It's a role which probably was almost impossible to undertake in eras past for various social-cultural reasons. Today it's possible to do so. And I believe it becomes a religious imperative. I believe that Jewish vegetarianism is a religious imperative for the person who is a religiously responsible Jew, responsible for their religious and ethical heritage. And To the best of my knowledge, no one has done more to propagate this vision and these values and to give people both the understanding of what the issues are as well as the directions in order to be able to proceed and the necessary arguments and information as much as Richard Schwartz has and to have a serious academic address these issues and publish them as well as he has done is is really a, a unique contribution and I have a great deal of respect and admiration for Richard and I hope that he has spared very many years to be able to continue to develop all the wonderful work that he's done. I'm Richard Schwartz, Professor Emeritus of Mathematics at the College of Staten Island and author of the book, Judaism and Vegetarianism. Many people wonder how Judaism can be connected to vegetarianism. After all, Jewish weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, and Sabbath and holiday dinners generally involve foods such as gefilte fish, chopped liver, chicken soup, and roast beef. And there are many passages in the Torah that refer to the sacrifices of animals and the consumption of meat. In spite of these factors, a strong argument can be made that powerful Jewish mandates point to vegetarianism as the ideal diet for Jews today. This talk first considers these mandates, then discusses the biblical case for vegetarianism, and finally responds to several questions that are frequently asked related to Judaism and vegetarianism. What are these Jewish mandates that point toward vegetarianism? They are first, to be very diligent in protecting our health. Second, to treat animals with compassion. Third, to preserve the environment. Fourth, to conserve natural resources. Fifth, to help hungry people. And sixth, to seek and pursue peace. I'll now discuss each mandate in terms of Jewish teachings and also how current mass production and widespread consumption of animal products severely contradict these mandates. The first mandate is that to preserve human health. Judaism regards the preservation of physical well-being as a religious commandment of extreme importance. Jews are to take care of their health and do nothing that might unnecessarily endanger themselves. Life is regarded as the highest good. We are obligated to protect it. Pekuach Nefesh, the duty to preserve human life, is arguably the most important mitzvah or commandment in Judaism. If it could help save a life, one must, not may, must, 
violate the Sabbath, eat forbidden foods, and even eat on Yom Kippur. The only laws that cannot be violated to preserve a life are those prohibiting murder, idolatry, and sexual immorality. Life is considered so sacred in Judaism that the tradition asserts that if a person saves one life, it is as if he or she saved an entire world. Hence, Jews are to be more particular about matters concerning dangers to health and life than about ritual matters. In contrast to these very strong Jewish teachings about the importance of preserving health, animal-scented diets have been strongly linked to the leading cause of death in the United States, heart attacks, strokes, and various types of cancer, and other degenerative diseases. The U.S. Surgeon General has stated that 68% of diseases in this country are diet-related. Most cancers are found in countries such as the United States, Israel, Great Britain, and Australia, where people eat large amounts of animal products. The Surgeon General's report on nutrition and health in 1988 noted, indeed, a comparison of population indicates that death rates for cancers of the breast, colon, and prostate are directly proportional to animal fat intakes. So if we want to reverse the epidemic of cancer, heart disease, stroke, and other degenerative diseases that have been afflicting the Jewish community and other communities, it is essential that we recognize the connections between animal-scented diets and disease and act accordingly. The second Jewish mandate involves treating animals with compassion. The Jewish tradition clearly indicates that we're forbidden to be cruel to animals and that we're to treat them with compassion. These concepts are summarized in the Hebrew phrase Tzah Ba'echayim, the biblical mandate not to cause pain to any living creature. The Psalms indicate God's concern for animals. For Psalm 145.9 indicates, His tender mercies are over all of his creatures. Perhaps the Jewish attitude toward animals is best summarized by Proverbs 12.10. The righteous person regards the life of his or her animal. In Judaism, one who is cruel to animals cannot be regarded as